Welcome to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Over the next hour, you'll be introduced to business and local leaders impacting our community. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. Now, the host of Town Talk, Ted Schubel. It's been about a year and we're going to talk about the Civil Rights Trail. That is in uh, in Fredericksburg, just a real jewel. And if something, if uh, you have not seen it or gone around and uh, experienced it, you really should. And uh, Chris uh, Williams here, the uh, James Farmer Multicultural Center Assistant Director, is here along with uh, Victoria Matthews with the uh, with the uh, City Tourism. Victoria, it is great to have you uh, you here along with uh, with with uh, Chris. I had the two of you, the two of us, got together. The three of us got together about a year ago. The, the the civil the civil rights trail has has been in existence now for for a little over a, a year or, or so has it gone kind of how you expected uh it really has and there have been some things that have come out of it that we were not expecting uh sort of things that people have decided to do projects people have decided to embark on because of the civil rights trail so it's kind of a really happy uh, thing for those sorts of things to happen Um, one example would be the university of mary washington is adding five new wayside panels to campus and that is because it's they're on the civil rights trail and they need to be marked yeah well that's that's it's it's been a a great thing chris talk about the 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 civil rights trail and uh and what it encompasses and then we'll we'll get into a whole lot of other things about it sure um the civil rights trail um is something that victoria and i have been working on for the past three and a half years um july 2020 is when we first started um and we initially met in december of 2019 um at uh, president Paino's house um after the both of us went on a trip uh, that organized through the James Farmer Multicultural Center, uh, traveling around, traveling along the same route as the 1961 Freedom Riders, in an ode to Dr. James Farmer's uh, legacy. Yeah, and it was a profound experience for all students. So later on, I found out that Victoria went on the trip to kind of see how Alabama had mapped out their civil rights trail because she had the idea of doing the the same type of thing here in Fredericksburg in 2017. So um, then we joined forces July 2020, and we kind of just started focusing on trying to get a Freedom Riders marker, his state historical marker in place. That was our first thing. And then also uh, focusing on who we should interview uh, in terms of African-American elders in the Fredericksburg community who participated in the civil rights movement um, here in the city during the early 60s um, through the late 60s. Um, this trail um, encompasses quite a bit. Uh, it's 21 stops, um, both in the heart of downtown Fredericksburg and on the University of Mary Washington's campus. And uh, it covers a broad swath of information uh, from uh, 1862 to when John Washington um, really seized his freedom um, in downtown Fredericksburg yeah. across the Rappahannock River, all the way to the Black Lives Matter movement that took place in downtown Fredericksburg in 2020. 
Victoria, one of the things that I th- I think that that you were in, in, in and Chris just reminded me of it that, that you that this has this has done not not only to tell these stories and we'll we'll get into where a lot of these stops are, but just the fact of being able to interview some of the people that were involved and just to have that 10, 15 years from now, we're going to be so glad that that that, that you were able that you all were able to get a lot of that recorded and. You know that 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 now is is will will always be available, and that was really important to me from day one because what we really wanted to focus on with the civil rights trail is the people and their stories and what happened to them and the trauma that they endured. And one thing I said at the civil rights trail unveiling that bears repeating is that um, I work for the city of Fredericksburg. The city of Fredericksburg has not always been. Um, looked upon favorably by the black community um, because of things that the city has done in the past. So there's a lack of trust there. And so to partner with Chris, who grew up in this city, who knows these people, they know his family, they trusted him, and therefore they extended that trust to me. And that's a really, really, really big deal. We were very, very careful with these oral histories. If they were not comfortable with them, we did not publish them or use them. Mm. Um, We did not change the oral histories in any way, shape, or form. Um, If the person recounted a story about being called the N-word, the N-word is in the story because that's what's happened. These are their words. So we want to stay focused very, very much on the people who were involved. And I've been talking to people outside the city of Fredericksburg, and they're picking up on that as well. And it is very important to have these stories. We've lost Johnny Johnson. We have his last oral history. He is included in our trail, and his words are there. Mm. And so when we uh, submit these all to UMW archives, which is where they will go, our hope is 150 years from now that somebody will be able to open those, read them, and, and get that sense of what happened to these folks that happened, that were here in town. Boy, and, and Chris, I, you, you think of what's happened in just even maybe the last four years or so, when you think about the John Washington marker, or the, the Freedom Riders, or just the Civil Rights Trail, think, things, things are really moving in a good direction, it, at least it seems to me. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the uh, things that we, Victoria and I, were kind of worried about initially was you know, would we potentially face um, some hesitancy um, from not only just um, the city, but even folks that we approached uh, to do the interviews with. You know, yes, I have these personal relationships, but because, as Victoria stated, the relationship that the black community had yeah. with, has with the city of Fredericksburg has not always been a positive one. I do think this project has um, improved uh, that relationship um, somewhat. I mean, there's still some work to do, but I do think it's opened the gates um, for more African-American elders to share their stories. Um, You know, just through the first 11 interviews that I conducted for the trail, uh, I've done five more. and they're, they're rich in content. Um, many of those folks are in their 80s, and mm. they all grew up here. Um, so that's also very much an important piece of the story as well, before the Civil Rights Movement. So they could tell me what was happening prior to the Civil Rights Movement, during segregation, what it was like 
in downtown Fredericksburg uh, for black residents. Uh, you know, people who resided in Mayfield, uh, like Dr. Webster Lee Harris, who is a, a name that I was not familiar with um, before this project took place. Um, there's actually going to be a wayside panel dedicated to him in Mayfield as part of these ongoing projects for um, wayside panels, both with the city and with UMW. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about that as well at some point. Good. We'll take a quick break and continue on. Good stuff this morning. Chris Williams and, uh, and Victoria Matthews here. The Civil Rights Trail is our uh, focus this morning. More on News Talk 1230 WFEA. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Town Talk on News Talk 1230. You can weigh in about today's topic on Facebook at WFEA 1230 and by text at 540-371-5756. Here's your host, Ted Schubel. Civil Rights Trail in Fredericksburg, our focus this morning. Victoria Matthews in. She's with uh, City Tourism and uh, Chris Williams is uh, the uh, with the James Farmer Multicultural Center. The assistant director, Chris, you were just talking about doing some, doing these interviews, and then actually doing more, and that's the great thing about this: names that, if this weren't being done, would forever be lost to history. Absolutely, um, many of the uh, people that we've interviewed for this um, particular project um, are pretty well known in the city of Fredericksburg, and then there are other people who are not, who have been kind of reserved and resigned to talk um, because of the trauma that Victoria spoke about earlier uh, that the city put them through uh, during the era of segregation and desegregating schools. Um, one of those people is Robert Christian, and he is uh, one of the, the most lovable people that you'll ever meet. Uh, a kind man, and I. he often tells the story that um, when he and I spoke, I made him feel so comfortable, and I and it was like I was a family member to him. That's why he opened up and shared his story. His own family members didn't know that this was happening yeah. to him at the time. Um, he was 12 years old, desegregating more. He buried all that trauma for the past 60 years. He never spoke about it until... He spoke to me. so. And what was interesting is that we had a photograph of a young 12-year-old boy in black and white standing in front of Maury's school, and we had no idea who that student was. I was just going to ask you, was, was he the one in that he the student? He is the one in that photo. And so what we ended up doing is we have a local historian who was helping us out with this, and I said, hey, could you – perhaps go figure out who this child is we'd like to know what his name is because he's not named in the article and so that person did that for us and we realized that he was still in the city of Fredericksburg he lives just outside the city that he's still here he's alive and well and um, so we were able to track him down and have him talk to and Chris like Chris said was able to get Mr. Christian to talk to him and that was one of the biggest surprises, I think, of, of doing this work is to find that story. And then we learned the other day that that photograph was never supposed to have been taken. Mr. Christian was told, your photo's not going to be taken. You're not going to appear in the newspaper. 
they're not to do that but because the photographer was on public property he was able to take the photo and that's why Robert Christian is looking over his shoulder because he's watching the photographer do something that he was told was not going to happen and that's why we don't have photos of Roland Moore desegregating the high school really yes and we learned that three weeks ago oh it was uh, a week and a half a week ago. and a half ago <laughs> yeah. so we had said earlier well the newspaper didn't identify him well we thought that was done purposefully but then we thought well they may not have identified him because they weren't supposed to take the picture to begin with so there are these things that keep percolating out yeah. of this that just make you think and that's why we are grateful to have the picture because we found him but on the other hand can you imagine being told your picture is not going to be taken and then to have that it is violated yeah. because somebody decided that they needed the picture and you talk about trust right and that's that's just weaved through everything we're talking about today right. absolutely um the other uh, neat uh, tidbit from that story is that we recently spoke to mr roland moore who desegregated James Monroe High School the same year uh, Robert Christian desegregated Maury School they lived right next to each other mm -hmm. wow we had no idea until Mr. Moore said it uh, in a phone conversation that we had with him last week had no idea they were that close their families were that close um, and I just happened to run into uh a family friend, Lori Lewis. Um, her father is the uncle of Robert Christian. And she said, you know, my dad didn't talk about the work that he was doing with the NAACP at the time, but he was the person who talked Robert Christian's mother into telling Robert to go to school. Mm -hmm. So these are the stories yeah. that um, are not in the trail per se, these are things that we've learned since, you know, publishing the narrative. As you've talked about that, I've just thought, boy, this has just turned into so, something so much bigger than, I mean, initially, the, the the initial goal when you talk about in 2020, you started to do this. That was a, that was a terrific plan and idea, and it's turned into so much more. It really has. The other thing that leaps out at me as well as un, un, unknown consequences. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Um, when we unveiled the trail in February of last year, uh, we had 230 people show up. And we wanted to invite a cross-population. We wanted to invite historians, but we also wanted to invite others. For example, the Frednats. The owners of the Frednats showed up at our unveiling. And we talked about baseball because there was the Negro Baseball League in Fredericksburg. Yeah. And Jimmy Dyson was in the audience and his brother started that baseball league. And so Jimmy was also part of that baseball league as well. And so I said that and the Fred Nats came up to me after the event and we said, we want Mr. Dyson at the ballpark to throw out the first pitch. And I said, we absolutely have to do that. So Mr. Dyson and his family, and when you invite Mr. Dyson and his family, you expect 45 people to show up, just know <laughs> that, show up at the baseball park for him to throw out the first pitch. And so we walk down onto the field, he hands me his jacket, which is a Negro baseball league jacket. It's incredible. And he hands me his jacket and 
please, Victoria, hold this. No problem. He goes, I don't know, Victoria, if I'm going to be able to get that pitch over home plate. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. I said, you can do it, Miss. You can do it, Mr. Dyson. You can do it. And he, and he winds up, warms up his arms, and throws it across the home plate. It was fantastic. But that's another what a moment. unintended consequence that we had from this trail that's just awesome. And the um, Fred Nats will be adding his story to their history wall at the park at some point. Which that is for for people who go to the ballpark and don't know about that. Right. You ought to walk out and walk out around the outfield mm-hmm. and, and and see that wall. Now, well, and you both talk about you know the stories that haven't been told, and there's so many more layers to this. It's not just the the the, the main stories that you've been able to, to uncover and mark. Now you're you know you're you're really I mean, you're you're kind of like archaeologists in a way. Yeah, uh, we joke um, that you know for two people who are not in. Um, historic preservation or um, anthropology or just history background. Yes, I have a journalism background. You know, that's a that's a different skill set, but it does incorporate research sure. and things like that. But for our backgrounds to be able to do this type of project in really three years says a lot about the work that we put in and the fact that this was not our full focus we were doing our full-time jobs and doing, while this. doing this project so it's been the two of us alongside um dr christine henry and dr steve Hanna from umw really we're kind of the fearsome foursome that's how i like to put it yeah um because it's really been the four of us who have been kind of shepherding this along in, in various various aspects but victoria and i really taking the lead on the project um, while doing our full-time job simultaneously while telling the stories, comprehensive story of African-Americans in the city of Fredericksburg. Well, and, and the, thing about, the thing about you two is I can say, hey, I want to do this or that or have a question, and you will, you know, you'll find time and we'll go out there and do something or talk about it. And the, the two of you and the, the four of you, obviously, I mean, there's a passion for this. I mean, this is this is not only f- it's I, I know you're having a lot of fun doing this, um, well, but it's serious. It is serious. Um, and it's important and it's critical work that has to be done. Yeah. Um, it's very important that we get these stories out there because we're frankly running out of time. These folks are getting older um, and we need to get these kind of on paper. Um, but it's it's what's needed to be done, and we just wanted to take the steps to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful to the city because they backed me up on it and gave me some funding to do it, mm-hmm. and that's when you know a city is doing what they say they're going to do when they put their money where their mouth is, right? Yeah. You know, paying for the historical panel in front of the Dorothy Hart Community Center and the John Washington Historical State Marker and other things. So that's that's when you know that that they're vested and they're 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 a hundred percent behind us as well. I think it was the Dorothy Hart that the marker at Dorothy Hart was that was one of the first. That that's when I re- that was when I first met you, Victoria, and remember seeing you. And now looking back at it, it was that was so much more significant than I realized. I I saw that the African American community came out to that, and that was very meaningful to tell that story. Now looking back at it, as things start to go out, that was really one of the first things I think were. You talk about the trust factor and. 
telling that story. It really was. Um, We had been working on the Freedom Riders State Historical Marker. Um, We had already done a commemoration for the 60th anniversary, and then we followed up with the State Historical Marker installation. And Mr. Sonny Holmes came up to me at the Freedom Riders event and said, Victoria, we need a sign in front of the Dorothy Hart Community Center to talk about the Walker Grant protest of 1950, and we need to do it now. Again, those Mm. graduates for 1950 are in their 90s. This is not something that we can let get caught up in government red tape. We need to do this. And I looked at Mr. Holmes and I said, you've got it. We can do this. And so very quickly, we put a committee together. I wanted them to tell their story. I didn't want to write the narrative. I wanted them to write the narrative. Yeah. And so they wrote the narrative and they provided the um, uh yearbook photos for that the information that we needed the city had it designed produced and then put on that event at the dorothy hart community center but what is so significant about that event uh if if folks don't know the story the walker grant class of 1950 came to the city of fredericksburg and said we want to hold our graduation in the community center it was not called the dorothy hart community center at that time and the city of fredericksburg says no you can't we we no and the reason was because it was coming a request coming from the black community. The president of the school um, class said, right, well, our parents pay taxes. We should have access to this building. And the city said, that's true. You do pay taxes. Sure, you can use the building, but you have to come in the side door. And the president of the class response was, I'd rather get my diploma on the sidewalk. Then what proceeded to happen is that the graduates protested on the day of their graduation in front of the door in front of the community center and then marched down to Shiloh Baptist Church old site for their actual graduation there were police presence uh, at the uh, at that protest at the time uh, but it was very calm and quiet and nothing happened the thing about that is that protest was in the night was June 1950. That predates Selma, that predates the Montgomery bus boycott, and that predates the murder of Emmett Till. So to have those 18-year-old kids stand up and do something that significant in in a city in the South is spectacular, and they needed to be recognized, and the city needed to take ownership over those decisions that they made in the 1950s, which they did. Yeah. We can take a quick break and, uh, to talk more about this. Well, boy, this is good. We've got to get, we have to do more than just one show a year on this because there's just, there's, 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 there's so much here and it, 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 it is exciting, but at the same time, it's, it's just, it's sad when you, when you think about it and it hasn't been that many years. Well, I'll uh, continue on civil rights trail this morning while uh, Victoria Matthews city tourism is here. Chris uh, Williams with uh, the James Farmer Multicultural Center at UMW here too. More on News Talk 1230 WFEA. It's 830. From the Fredericksburg.today online news studios, this is News Talk 1230 WFBA Fredericksburg, a centennial broadcasting station focused on Fredericksburg. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Chris Williams is here from the James Farmer Multicultural Center at UMW. Victoria Matthews is here with uh, Fredericksburg City Tourism, the uh, Civil Rights Trail in uh, in, in Fredericksburg. So, so, Victoria, for someone who wants to 
go around and say, I'd like to see. What, what, how do I get information? Is it, is, a lot of that I know is that you can get it at the visitor center. You can. You can come by the visitor center. And actually, right now, we have an exhibit regarding the Civil Rights Trail up in the auditorium of the visitor center. So you can come down to the visitor center, take a look at some of the artifacts and pictures and things that we have there. And then grab the guide uh, from the visitor center and start walking. If you would like to do this on your phone, we have the QR code that you can come to the visitor center and scan and then proceed on uh, walking on the trail. Uh, the other option is fxbg.com. And if you type in fxbg.com and the civil rights trail, it'll pull up a website for you and you can go ahead and get onto the online map uh, that way as well. So lots of different ways to find it. To do it. You, you, you've made it easy. And you, you mentioned that there's some, the, at Mary Washington, there's going to be some, some panels going up. Yes, um, there's going to be five. Um, the most recent panel... Uh, that we're going to uh, add to the UMW campus terrain is dedicated to the James Harden Multicultural Center and its founder who recently passed, Mr. Forrest Parker. Um, it was very important to me to include him uh, on this trail and on this panel. Yeah. You know, credit to Dr. Pano for supporting um, and funding um, these panels to go into the ground on our campus has really meant a great deal to have uh, his support and the university's support with this project as well. Um, but Forrest Parker meant a great deal to me. Uh, he was one of the first people um, who I considered a mentor in this community. And my mom volunteered in the Multicultural Center um, when it first began. Um, she was one of the community mentors. And really because of my mom's connection to many of these folks uh, who I interviewed on the trail, it was really her relationship with them. And then with me always being with her, hmm. you know, the, those folks who I've interviewed, those wonderful folks, you know, believed and, and trusted me uh, with their stories because really through her relationships um, really afforded me the opportunity to interview them in a really uh, introspective way to have these rich stories that we have on the trail now. So, you know, also credit to my mother for that. Um, but the university story is also rich, you know, as people are going to see uh, as the panels are revealed. Um, we're going to have mock-ups for the panels um, starting three Saturdays, beginning with this Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, there's going to be the unveiling of what those panels will look like. Um, and there's going to be a trolley tour that accompanies that as well. So fe Saturday, February 3rd, February 10th, and February 17th. Okay. Um, there's going to be tours, and then there's also going to be a visit on campus, and then a presentation. Uh, I'll be doing uh, that on the 17th, Saturday the 17th, but my colleagues, uh, Dr. Steve Hanna and Dr. Christine Henry, and, along with uh, Victoria and Gayla Sims um, for, you know, the, really all three. Yeah. Well, what's, so what's so interesting uh, about this, we know so much about the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, this is now filling in just, you know, just as a historic 
part of of the city, like you say, hasn't been told. And boy, you go around, and th- this is all just these are really today kind of stories. I always tell the story that when I saw at the at the Fredericksburg Area Museum the whites only mm-hmm. sign, how impactful that was. Mm-hmm. Now you go around to these th- that this is this just fits right in with that. It really does, and it was really a significant missing piece. We we do really well telling the story of George Washington here. We do really well telling the story of the Civil War here in Fredericksburg, and those stories are very important and very critical to mm-hmm. know. Um, but this was definitely a, a, a very big gap in kind of what was missing, and I'm really glad that we, um, we did, in thinking through this, normally when you think of civil rights, you think of the 50s and the 60s, but we made a conscious decision to include John Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, That story is incredibly important about his enslavement in the city of Fredericksburg before the Union Army came, and his stories about not being able to go outside and play with children when he's a young young child. The story of having to say goodbye to his mother, who is being sent to Stanton, and who he may never see again. Um, and his escape and, and the story of working at the hotel, being told that the Union Army is here. Um, the owner of the hotel tells John Washington to pay off all the staff and get out of town. And so John Washington pays off all the staff. They uh, have a drink to the Union Army, and he walks across to the Rapp- Rappahannock River to the Union troops. So that, to me, is, the, is a civil rights yeah, is, is is a civil rights story, and you could argue that it predates that because there were enslaved um, uh, uprisings at Chatham that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's all included in it. So I'm glad that we were able to do that, and then include the more modern stories of mm-hmm. Robert Christian and Ambassador Bridgewater and her experience at the university, and uh, all those all those other stories we've collected. The, the John Washington story, and if you read the book, the the, the book is powerful mm-hmm. because I can remember reading it and just looking at looking at slavery in such a different light. Just the stories you told of all of a sudden being separated from your family, not seeing your mother, and it just all of a sudden things you 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 really are confronted with things that you, that that as a white person you never thought of. Mm-hmm. It was just was stories on a stories on a, in in a book. Yeah, John Washington's story is remarkable in the fact that it's the only enslaved person's account uh, that we have of an enslaved person in the city of Fredericksburg. That in and of itself is remarkable, yeah. considering that uh, many of the many of the enslaved population were illiterate. Um, and I think about the story of since we're talking about Ambassador Bridgewater, her grandfather, Reverend B. H. Hester. Uh, who was um, the pastor of Shiloh Old Site Baptist Church um, for 40 years from 1922 to 1961. Um, One of his charges at the church was to educate um, recently and, you know, then enslaved people to read and write and also to pay poll taxes and also to show them how, you know, the power of their vote, you know, that's a powerful story in of itself. You know, the Shallow Herald, he created that to be a record for the community. Um, being a member of the church, uh, during my first couple of years at the church, I wrote for the Shallow Herald, not knowing the history of it. Huh. 
now I know the rich history of it. I'm really proud to have my name printed in that um, document because it carries a legacy um, for more than 100 years. Uh, and we have copies, original copies of those as well um, that Ambassador Bridgewater gave to us when we went to her house a couple of years ago. So these are really like the stories that have completed um, the Civil Rights Trail narrative, uh, but it also has opened up other doors <laughs> for us to explore as well as we you know, further delve into the uh, black history of Fredericksburg. Well, and I think just even on on a, on, a, on a Victoria on a just a, at a tourism front, there there are people that would want to come here Absolutely. to be able to to know about this. Absolutely, people have always talked about, like you say, you know, the Civil War and the Revolutionary War. This is something that a, a lot of people, I think, would would look at this and say, "I'd like to go there and, and see that." Yeah, um, we have actually adapted the Civil Rights Trail into a motor coach uh, trail for our group tour market. Um, this will allow them to come in and stay on the bus, um, but tour the Civil Rights Trail. Hmm. So we've, we worked the stops a little bit. Um, we did find out there were certain streets that buses cannot go down because they hit trees. So we sorted all of that out and adapted it for the motor coach market. And we were recently at a trade show called American Bus Association and handed out the motor coach edition of the Civil Rights Trail. And I had a couple groups say, if you send that to me, I will make sure we'll book something tomorrow so they're very much invested in in this there's interest for it also for the family reunions uh, they're interested in it as well uh, but the students are the, really the ones that we want to mm -hmm. educate about this that's a really important group that we want to make sure sees this civil rights trail and so we've uh, I talked to King George Middle School 400 students uh, presented the civil rights trail uh, eight times that day, I think it was. Um, we've presented it to the city of Tex kids at the University of Mary Washington. We've done tours for them. Um, we are looking at doing something with James Monroe High School. So we really want to get it out to the younger generation so they can learn from it and not repeat it. Right. That, I was as you were as you were talking about that. I was thinking you you see that uh, the you know uh, school groups will go through Ferry Farm or go through any of the, the historical sites around here. This ought to be where where teachers are wanting to take field trips I, on. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, we did a tour with our Rise Peer Mentoring Program in the James Farm Multicultural Center in September of 2019, and Dean uh, Cedric Rucker led that. Um, excursion through the city he was telling me information about people and places in the city that I had never heard of black history and I'll be honest with you I felt some type of way about it I was like how did I grow up here yeah. and I don't know any of this history and that was really the seed that was planted in me when uh, Victoria reached out to me um, in July 2020 after our initial conversation, December 2019, I was like, yes, let's do this. And the whole impetus for this for me was to educate the generation coming behind me and the students that are in my office every day. I want them to walk this trail and to know what people experience here in the city of Fredericksburg, but from a larger perspective, what black people have faced in this country um, for the past 300 plus years. Um, 400 plus years 
So um, this trail really gives you a, a detailed account from the people who have lived these experiences, and we have documented the places where these historical events have happened in the city of Fredericksburg. It's not just about people having random conversations on the street or in a restaurant saying this happened here, this happened there. Yeah. You know, people have documented evidence that these things took place here. We have state recognition. We have city recognition, you know. Um, and soon there's other big news coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that will be a future show to, to, to bring you guys in to talk about it. There, there, there are some exciting things. You all have to be just thrilled, I'm sure, when, when, when people tell you, when you hear Thank you, or you know, I learned this, or I I I learned just that I learned that mm-hmm. I've learned a whole lot of things, and I did. You know, I I went with you, Victoria, last last spring for a while for like a half hour. I just kind of followed you around as, as you took some of the as you took some of the, the the city tourism people around just to show them, and I learned stuff about just things on street corners that that happened that I had no idea of. There are so many facets of things that have happened in downtown Fredericksburg that that you walk past these buildings every single day and just don't know what happened there. Um, and on those sites where those buildings sit was a previous level of Fredericksburg. Yeah. When George Washington would have recognized it. Now, he would have recognized Billikens because Billikens, the, that building, the Jimneys, has been here since Washington's time. But to think what happened on that site... The ch- that that house was built by somebody who sold enslaved people. Hmm. That that's who built that house. So there were likely slave pens somewhere around that house, or or nearby wow. on Sophia Street. So when you're walking around the historic district, just to think about all the history that's happened there. Um, there are sites. I believe it's the building. It's an antique store that used to be a Woolworths on the corner uh caroline and prince uh, caroline and william yeah and on that site that was the one of the sites of the sit-ins that building is now an antique store but that used to be a woolworth if you look at the exterior architecture of that building you will see the old woolworth building the design of it but also on that site before then was where thomas jefferson wrote the statute to religious freedom that's where the tavern was that's what i understand the story to be um so it's just interesting the different layers of things that have happened in the city over, over time and just to kind of absorb that with the atmosphere that's there as well. And you know what's interesting, this just, just occurred to me, and, and, and afterwards you may, you may say, I don't know. But you, you, so much, it, you know, in a way it's been good that the, the slave block is at the museum now in a spot because that was such a, that was such a focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you've uncovered so many other more significant, you know, really some significant things uh, about Fredericks, which is the right. things that you just talked about, right. Victoria. I mean, that's, that's really interesting stuff. And I'm really excited to see what Dr. Sims does with the uh, slave auction block site. Um, yeah. There's some good talk and discussion about what that will look like with community input, which is incredibly important to have that community input. And so I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a really amazing, amazing thing when it's done. We talk, and it just it just occurred to me, Chris, that we need to do a show sometimes, just just you and me, to talk about the James Farmer Multicultural Center. But real quick, we we we, all, we often mention it, but what, what what does the James Farmer Multicultural Center do at, at UMW? <laughs> well, um, the center handles 
all the multicultural programming at the university, um, starting with <clears throat> our cross-cultural barbecue um, in August, which welcomes new students back on campus and also introduces them to all of our 22 student-led clubs and organizations. And then our cultural awareness series um, is an annual of series uh, which features cultural celebrations uh, starting uh, with our Latino Identities Month celebration and which ends with our, our recognition of Passover Seder um, and that's usually to, this year is the end of April um, so in between that time we have various week-long and month-long cultural celebrations some coincide with national celebrations like National Hispanic Heritage Month, Black History Month, and Women's History Month. Uh, we have our Farmer Fellows Program, uh, which is also called the Diversity Peer Educators Program, where we have 10 to 15 students who participate in that program, our RISE Peer Mentoring Program, um, so many other things. I'd be happy to come back and talk about that. We'll have to do that sometime <laughs> just because we hear about it, but I don't know that we, we all know what uh, what goes on we take one final break and come back wow i, I knew you were all going to be you were both going to be really good but this has even far exceeded what i what i even expected chris williams with the james farmer multicultural center at umw here victoria matthews with city tourism the civil rights trail is what we're talking about and uh, you can again get more information if you go down to the visitor center or fxbg.com or there's just a number of ways where you can find out uh, where the where the trail is and and and, and go off and uh, and, and, and check it out. We'll uh, conclude when we come back on News Talk 1230 WFVA. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Download the all-new News Talk 1230 WFVA app for Apple and Android. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Civil Rights Trail this morning. Victoria Matthews with City Tourism and Chris Williams with the James Farmer Multicultural Center at UMW. Before we get out of here, there are a couple of things you wanted to, to make sure we get out and, uh, and, and let people know about. Absolutely. So we've made a couple of adjustments to the Civil Rights Trail. One of those is we've actually added the audio clips for the oral histories that are currently in the trail. So when you're looking at the trail online, you can hit a play button underneath the quote and actually hear Robert Christian speak or Ambassador Bridgewater speak. That's or so cool. Hashimal Turner, Reverend Hashimal Turner yeah. speak. So that's incredibly important. Uh, the other thing that we're doing, um, we've got the narration done. Uh, Chris has done a whole narration of the entire trail. We just need to take that file and divide it up to each stop. And so we will be adding that. But we wanted to make sure that we um, had something for those who... Uh, visually impaired or just like to absorb information that way by listening instead of reading. Uh, and then the final thing that we are going to mention is that we have an event on February 8th at 2 p.m. at Shiloh Baptist Church Old Site. Uh, we have an announcement to make regarding the Fredericksburg Civil Rights Trail that I think will push the story beyond the city's borders is what I like to say for that. So the public is certainly welcome to attend that on uh, February 8th, which is a Thursday at 2 p.m. at Shiloh Baptist Church Old Site. Can't wait to hear about that. And I know there, there are a lot of other things going on and we'll we'll get together maybe in another six weeks or month or two and, 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 and talk about it. 
this just keeps grow, growing and growing. We sort of did an, an intro to it when it first opened last year, and so much has happened since, and you've discovered so much. I mean, you, you've talked about things you discovered, you know, a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, and that's been the fun thing about uh, this project. Um, partnering up with uh, Victoria on this endeavor has been one of the most rewarding things that I've done in my life so, thus far, and the historic achievement Uh, that we're going to announce next Thursday is really going to put the cherry on the top. Um, So we really encourage people to come out to Charlotte Baptist Church, the oldest black Baptist church in the city of Fredericksburg and the first stop on the Civil Rights Trail Yeah, uh, to hear what that historic announcement is. Well, thank you for what you two have done, because like you said, I mean, this this is not like this is your job and this is what you do. 40 plus hours a week you're spending sometimes i'm sure 40 plus hours a week but you're also doing regular jobs but uh, this 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 really is just what you're doing just the the telling and the preserving of history it's just as you've just just the little bit that we've talked about today is so so important again victoria if people want to find out go to the visitor center is the your one of the you've got an exhibit there and you can see things absolutely go to the visitor center scan the qr code pick up a booklet or fxbg.com victoria matthews is with uh fredericksburg city tourism chris williams is with the james farmer multicultural center it is a civil rights trail check it out it is in fredericksburg and if you're going to check out all the other historic things make sure you check out the civil rights trail thank you both we'll talk again soon that is it Thank you for listening. And Chris, I should—I didn't mention that Chris Williams is a Michigan football fan. That makes him extra special. Thanks for listening to <laughs> See you in the morning. News Talk 1230 WFVA. The views expressed by the hosting guests on this program are their own and not necessarily those of this station, its management, or Centennial Broadcasting. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. The Glenn Beck program is next on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Focused on Fredericksburg.